Today you have questions. And we may or may not have answers. It should be a fun one. Welcome to the Pilgrim Song. Hello and welcome to the Pilgrim Song, episode 25. I'm Alexander. I'm Charlie. And this is where your two friends, wow, interracial friends talk about Jesus. I forgot our own slogan. This is going to be great. (laughs) All right. So as we jump into our podcast, this is a pretty big episode this week. Very excited. 25. Wow. It's been almost half a year. How are you feeling, Charlie? I'm feeling great, man. It's been a good... I haven't been on all 25 episodes, That's but true. it's been a good uh, chunk of those. It's your half. So, it's I don't your know. What do, what do you think? What's your, what's your, you reflect upon 25 when episodes? When I reflect on 25 episodes, I just, I, I've enjoyed getting to have people on here and we just talk about stuff. I think like, we'll talk a little bit more about this in the QA, but like we just, there's so many things that need to be talked about when it comes to our, how we operate in our churches and understanding Bible study. And I particularly like our prayer and fasting one. I love that one. Yeah. So there's there's just been a lot of cool stuff to talk about. So. Who's your favorite guest so far? Well, I, obviously my co-host, Charlie. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <clears throat> welcome to our episode for this week. We are going to be talking about a lot of different things, but just going off of you know 25 episodes in next week, we'll also be launching our blog, the Pilgrim Song blog, and there will be articles up there every week, and we'll be selling merch from there in the near future. So get your stickers and. Well, we have, we might get a mug. Who knows? It'll be fun, but very excited for that. So we hope that you will not only visit the site and all that stuff, but also just if you enjoy, if you like what we do here, just share it so other people can see. And we want to be an encouragement to them as well. So as we hop into this again, you, you probably know this is a Q and A if you listened last week. So, uh, you're really excited for some deep questions. I am. Out. Yeah. So we got, we got a good mix of questions, some, some spiritual, some, you know, just general life stuff. Yeah. It'll be good. It's going to be It'll be really fun. Uh, we're going to have some shout-outs as well because you listen, you responded to Instagram, you deserve a shout-out on the show. All right. <clears throat> so our first question came a little bit while ago, and this is our formal apology from Charlie and Alexander to David Maxson. Thank you for listening so much. Thank you for texting us about it. We're just really bad at responding. <laughs> so he sent us a question back during episode 18. episode 18. Thank you. Episode 18, which talked about Sunday morning Christianity and just how it's a sham. And part of that was encouraging transparency among each other, that we don't just show up with a face and we're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing well, I'm doing good. When in all honesty, we could be doing horrible. We could be struggling with sin. We could be just struggling with something else and being honest with that. So he asked us the question of how do we encourage transparency both in ourselves and outside of that? So you want to start? start sure, to yeah. <clears throat> For me, you know, it's, I have, it's a very like cliche line, but like, it's, you know, be the change that you want to see within the mm-hmm. church. So if you want to encourage people to be transparent, you yourself have to be transparent. Um, you know, if I want my family to open up and talk about things, you know, I have to be willing to be the first one to open up and talk about things as well and um, set up those discussions where we can sit down in intimate groups and talk about those kinds of things. 
Um, but you got to be willing to start that. So I think that's a good place to start to mm-hmm. encourage us, you know, you yourself be more open and be more willing. So, and if you're the first person to do it and you're the only person doing it, it's definitely going to be awkward at first. Um, but hopefully, you know, from that other people will see your example and, you know, you'll be surprised when you open up and share something that you're struggling with, how many people will come up to you and, and try to relate to you on that and maybe open up and tell something from their past as well as something that they're struggling with. So. That's true. Yeah. And my, my answer pretty much goes right along with that as well. Uh, I, I pulled from one of my favorite movies of all time. Remember the Titans? And there's this conversation between Julius and, uh, Bertier. And they're, they're mad, frustrated at each other. They're trying to quickly meet each other because they were forced to by their coaches. And finally, Julius is, you know, just talking about his lack of leadership as a captain. And basically, Bertier is frustrated because Julius doesn't give an effort, all this type of stuff. And um, and Julius responds, attitude reflects leadership, Captain. And that line has always hit me in the movie. And I think it really applies to this situation because a lot of times we are looking for, as Charlie mentioned, other people to be transparent first. You be transparent first. And, I'll, and then I have plenty of things to share. There's plenty of things to talk about. The reality is if no one else is sharing... And this is what we're supposed to be doing for one another, bearing one another's burdens, um, serving one another, outdoing one another and showing honor. We're the ones who have to step up first. Yeah. So the best way to encourage transparency from both of our perspectives, you move first. Yeah. You, you do it first. So good question. Thank you for asking, David. And uh, we hope, again, I, that's something that I we're, we're both trying to push for as well. So it's, it's an ever-going battle. I mean, yeah. it's, we need to keep struggling towards it. So. Anything else you want to say about that? That's it on that one. All right. So we're going to come right back. We have, again, a bunch more questions. Thank you guys for listening to our little opening. We'll be right back. couple of questions come from a good friend and loyal listener, Andrea. You're the real MVP. Thank you for these questions. So her first question is, do you have any tips on overcoming social anxiety when speaking with brethren? Sometimes I really want to speak to people I don't normally talk to at church, but I find myself hesitant because of anxiety slash shyness. So social anxiety is something that I deal with personally. Um, I don't really get to, especially being in the position I'm in, I don't really get to say, oh, I'm just not going to talk to people. So I've really had to work on this myself. Uh, the best, uh, thing that I have personally is having someone, having a friend help, right? So when you go into a situation alone, uh, that's, that can be very nerve-wracking. You don't know what to say. You don't know where to fill in the gaps, all that type of stuff. So when you have another person uh, who's there, perhaps that they're a little bit more social than you or they just know different things than you, you guys can help balance each other out. And that's one of the things that I found very helpful with having a girlfriend who's sociable because she's really good at talking to people. Uh, and then I can kind of filter in there and talk about other things. 
So really working as a team has helped us a lot as well. Um, but just doing it with any friend who is willing to go and wants to get to know people as well, I think that would be the most beneficial thing. And plus you get to know other people and you get to know the person you go to them with. So I think it's a win-win-win. Win. 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 <laughs> uh, you have any other yeah. ideas, Charlie? <clears throat> so, you know, I think a good place to start would just be, you know, if you're just nervous about talking to people, you know, start with small stuff, you know, whenever you just see people out in public, you know, just saying, you know, hello, or hey, or how's it going? Like, you know, very simple little things like that. You know, you don't have to just immediately walk up and go into some deep conversation with somebody. It can just be little subtle things you can work on. You know, if someone holds the door for you, just saying thank you, like verbally communicating to that person, just starting with that kind of stuff, just to kind of get used to you know, how to, you know, start a conversation or how to, you know, begin talking or, you know, opening up and, and saying something to somebody. Um, and then it can also be, you know, plan ahead, I guess, too. You know, if, if you know that there's going to be people that you want to talk to, uh, whether it's a church or outside of church, um, you know, it's there's nothing wrong with, with going up to somebody, having a conversation that you want to have already in mind or knowing what you're already going to say to kind of start it off with. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Whether it's like, you know, you see something out in town that somebody else that you know, you know, would like or that they could relate to and you just want to go talk to them about that and bring that up, I think could be a good way to kind of start a conversation. Yeah. It could lead to more too. Just little things like that. And then over time, you just kind of get used to the idea of talking to people and I think it can become easier the more you do it. So That's a really good idea. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of it that way. So, but yeah. There you go. Do you, so, yeah. do you struggle with social anxiety too? Um... Not so, not too bad if I'm being just purely honest. I don't, I don't know. I've, I was always the kid like growing up that would like, whenever my friends wanted to ask somebody something and they didn't want to, like they would always like send me to ask them because gotcha. I never like cared too much just because mm-hmm. I, I apparently would just get lost in a building of people. My parents would lose me because I'd want to go and like introduce myself <laughs> to like everybody. It's like a three-year-old kid. Like, hi, I'm Charlie. Nice, nice to meet you. So, <laughs> Like, I don't know why I did that, but I don't know. I, I, I like talking to people. That's good. Um, so. I think I enjoy talking to people, but also, like, if you call me, I'm going through it in my head. I'm like, is this person going to tell me they hate me? <laughs> if the elders call me, are they going to fire me? And, like, genuinely, that's my thought. So yeah. it, it's a struggle. Yeah. But it's just something you work through. So, uh, but, but, Next question. What is y'all's favorite part of podcasting? Uh, so I have here that for me, it was, it was basically necessary for me to add Charlie to this podcast. Wow. Um, it was because <laughs> you, oh, yes, absolutely. Like we, we bounce off of each other well in real life already. And I definitely wanted to do this with other, another person. And especially like these podcasts, they are, can be an hour long. Our recording sessions usually take upwards of three hours because we'll literally turn off the camera and then we'll just sit there and laugh and talk about other things and go through it and have other discussions. So it's been really nice to the between the takes and you'll, you'll get a little bit of that in the bloopers, but between the takes, getting to know my friend and brother a lot more. Um, 
So another thing that I also really like is as we've gone through and we've, we've kind of come up with this subtle, this is also what our podcast is about and the emphasis in our faith about loving God and loving people. Every time we kind of get to the conclusion, we're like, oh yeah, you're supposed to love one another. And, and just seeing how clear that is and how many of the problem, the world's problems, the church problems are problems with each other would be fixed if we just did the most basic commands that we were given well also the most important so uh, i've really appreciated that about the podcast i also think that i like to talk a lot more than i thought i did so <laughs> that's just another thing yeah what's it what about you well Sean? i love you brother that's oh, man. No. I love you um so i think for me like all everything that you said is 100 percent true um, but i also like the idea of like I, i've gotten to study topics that i probably wouldn't have otherwise like really actually looked at like doing like the video breakdowns and stuff like that and really seeing like other arguments that people make and trying to dive into like very relevant things to today mm-hmm. is something that like, you know, I didn't necessarily do as much before, but this really gives me a reason to dive into some deeper topics that, you know, we kind of tend to shy away from sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so getting to look at some of that, I think has been really cool. Um, you know, for me, whenever I <clears throat> like sit down and want to study the Bible, it really helps me if I have like a specific thing that I'm trying to study instead mm-hmm. of just like, let me just open up to a random page. I'm going to study this today. Like I like to have like an idea of like, you know, like a specific thing that I'm actually trying to like study mm-hmm. or like glean. It kind of helps me. So like a lot of the topics that we've gone through, I think have really been beneficial to me and have helped me you know, look at things that I was taught growing up or the way that, you know, I, I do things because it's the way I've always done it and kind of challenge a lot of my beliefs that I had and, you know, change hopefully for the better. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess getting to do like a variety of really fun that's topics true. has been my favorite part. Well, that's awesome. I, I think we, we have challenged each other and you on this podcast a lot because like there, there are some things, especially about fasting that I didn't, we, that we, yeah. when we delved into that as like, man, I don't do this enough. I don't yeah. think about this enough. So yeah, that has been a very fun part of this. <laughs> All right. Third question. I'm going to have you go first on yep. this one. Um, if you could only sing one <clears throat> hymn for the rest of your life, what would it be? Yeah, that's a good one. And that's a tough one because, you know, you got to think about a lot of things with that. Because, like, <laughs> am I going to get tired of this song after I've sung it for, like, the 3,000th time? Like, you got to have something that's timeless, something that's relevant always. Okay. Um, no, so, so for me, <laughs> for me, it's probably, probably be it as well with my soul. I think I kind of mentioned it on the, for the first time I was on this podcast, you asked me what my favorite thing was and, uh, it has not changed. That's probably still my favorite just because it's got a really great story behind why it was written, the person that wrote it and what had happened in his life when he wrote that hymn, I think is just fantastic and really touching and very encouraging uh, and you really feel his emotions in the song of what was going on and just how powerful it is. And that's a song that I, th- I think I really relate to in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And it just means a lot to me. And it's, it's one of those that I can't really sing without, you know, getting choked up every time I sing it. So I, I maybe after singing it several thousand times, I could finally make it through <laughs> without <laughs> breaking down. So no, that, that would probably, if I had to just pick one, that would probably yeah. be it. I've come to appreciate that hymn a lot more, just like the re-emphasis yeah. of assurance of the faith. It's like you're not just one sin from God being like, no. It's yeah. like this is forever. Yeah. So that's, it's a tough that's question, awesome. though. Good that question. is a good question. That's a fun one. <laughs> uh, my hymn that I chose would, is also my favorite hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Uh, I've really come to appreciate the song because uh, when I was... When I 
I would say I was lost where I, you know, just took this kind of break from being a Christian, being religious, whatever else. Uh, and I just remember this being in this pit of, I don't see what my future holds. I don't see what hope comes next. Yeah. And then coming out of that and feeling like I was blind and now I can see. Now I have something to look forward to and hope in. Uh, I also think it's just a beautiful hymn. There's a lot of different versions of it, but I think like you lead that thing well. It goes, it is <laughs> one of the best hymns that's been written. Uh, and I really appreciate it. And I also sing it to myself a lot anyway. So you'll catch me helming it or singing it because I love that one. So be that my vision. If you haven't heard it, what are you doing? Listen to it now. <laughs> All righty. Ooh, Andrea peppered us with questions and we love it. Here's another one from her. She says, what is your reason behind who y'all think the Hebrew writer is? You have a strong opinion about this, Charlie? I hate this question so much. I've been asked this question so many times. I don't know why. I've been asked this question so many times in my life. Like, if you oh, don't know the answer, you're going. You're not going to heaven. I know. So I, that's what God's going to ask you is who wrote Hebrews. And if you don't have a good reason behind it, I don't know. I don't want to answer this because I have no... I feel like we judge people based off of what they answer this question. Like, oh, you're one of those Paul wrote Hebrews kind of people. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. I heard a really good like theory the other day that I hadn't heard before about it being like a sermon. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard that before. I actually, like after reading it, like through again, you know, I, I mean, like that, that kind of makes sense. They thought it was a sermon that Paul gave and yeah. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. I've heard reasons for Apollos that are good. I've heard reasons for Barnabas that are pretty good. I've heard reasons for James, like actually being somewhat decent or like I wanted uh, Jesus's other brothers potentially writing it as well. So obviously it was somebody that was Jewish more than likely. It'd be kind of weird if a Gentile could somehow know that much about Jewish history. Mm-hmm. So it was somebody who was obviously extremely knowledgeable in uh, the old law that also loved Jesus and knew a lot about him too. So it could have been any of the apostles. It could have been any of the like brothers of Jesus or I don't know. If I say something, I'm just going to get judged. So <laughs> Well, uh, I'm going to take the judgment and go ahead and say that not only do I think it's Barnabas, I know it's Barnabas. Ooh, uh, man. <laughs> Um, but for me, when it comes to Barnabas, uh, two, uh, two roles uh, play a significant factor in why I think it's Barnabas. Uh, if you don't know, he is a Levite. So we have that revealed to us in the book of Acts. So as you read through Hebrews, as Charlie was mentioning, the, it is seeped in talking about the Old Testament. The, he, he will have these parts where he just starts quoting it back to back to back, different verses, different passages. Uh, it also emphasizes a lot of things about the priest, the high priest, Moses, the tabernacle, the law, all these things that a Levite would be not only familiar with, but before you come to Jesus, that is his life. That is his legacy. His heritage is all about um, being a Levite, right? So yeah, he's going to know the Tanakh well. And I think that this shows it's obviously a Jew who's found hope in Jesus that cannot be found in the old law. Um, and I think that it also goes to show that he he also knows the temptation to go back. I'm, you know, to be tempted, to be lured back into rituals or traditions or whatever else. But the only hope is in Jesus. Um, so I also think that when we have a book like the one of Hebrews where it doesn't have any name, from what I see about Barnabas being an encourager, mm. 
I think he plays a lot more from the background. So even if he were to write this incredible book, I don't think he'd be the type of person, I don't know him personally, but I don't think he'd be the type of person to put his name on it because I think he he would think this would take away from the name of Jesus. This would take away, this would distract from the message. Um, so just based off of those two things, I'm not very, like, again, I, I was joking. I'm not dogmatic that it was Barnabas. But what I do know and think about Barnabas as a character, um, I think that this book was written by him. So that is yeah. my opinion. And there's my justification. <laughs> yeah, and you might, I mean, I don't, if, the, if the sermon theory is true, it would also make sense why his name's not on it either. Because, mm. you know, I don't know. Because there's not really, like, it's not written super like a letter. Like, because otherwise he probably would have signed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, that's like asking me who wrote Ecclesiastes. I'm going to give you a 20 minute answer, but basically, I don't know. So, I don't know. It happens. It, <laughs> the answer is it doesn't matter. There That's the answer. Oh, true. The message is true either way. So there we go. And, Check me. Yep. <laughs> All right. And her final question. This is what was a really good one too. I had to think a little yeah. bit about this one. What Bible event outside of Jesus' life would you want to see? Yeah. How do you, which one? Do you so think? when I was a kid, I would have straight up said Noah, just because I thought that was the coolest story ever, where a dude built a massive boat that housed every uh, two or seven of every animal on the earth, which is just an incredible engineering feat. And I was super nerdy. So like, I just wanted to see like, did it actually look like a boat? You know, what did it look like? You know, was it just a ratty piece of like wood put together that God sealed up or was it actually like a boat? I don't know. That was what it was when I was a kid. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, for a time, it was the Garden of Eden because I just like have so many questions about the Garden of Eden. But like now, recently, um, would be the Tower of Babel, like for sure. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, Genesis 11 uh, and 6, uh, it says, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is the only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. That to me is like one of the most interesting verses in the Bible because it's God talking about people of the world and he's like genuinely like perplexed at how strong I guess humanity had had gotten like what we can do if we put all of our minds together. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we're not God, but God made us in his image and he gave us the ability to think and to reason and to like solve problems. And mm-hmm. so like when you have one massive group of people that are all unified together, God basically says, well, they have no limit. Like... They can achieve anything. And so, you know, for me, when I look at today and society and like how technologically advanced, like I feel like we're getting, I'm very curious how advanced they had got as a society. Like, you know, I don't know. And they're able to think. So like, were, were they able, like how, how deep into like science, all these different things had they gotten? Or was it just because it was a very arrogant group of people and God wanted to humble them? That also could have been it. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what it looked like at least. So you think... The Tower of Babel is like a modern day skyscraper. You think it was like that advanced or I think it was I don't know. I don't I don't really know anything about it. I think it was more or less the attitude of the people as to why God probably wanted to mm-hmm. take them down a notch. But I am very curious how advanced it was. But yeah, I'd probably relate it to probably like a big altar is probably what it looked like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always envision it as like a pyramid in my mind. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. because I don't know. The Egyptians built those a very long time ago and mm-hmm. they're very strong. They were very advanced. So that is true. I don't know. It's cool. Yeah. Good question. Interesting one. Yeah. Uh, For me, I thought uh, my serious one would be the walls of Jericho. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like this would be a really interesting thing to see. 
And part of it, part of it in my mind is not <clears throat> seeing how these walls fall because if you don't, I did a little bit of research on Jericho, but there's two walls. So they had a retaining wall and then like a, and these are eight foot thick walls. So do they just melt into the ground or they just topple over like Legos? Like I have no idea. So I, I think that would be cool to watch. Yeah. But I also kind of want to have like just an image of what happens when the horn blows yeah, and right. it starts falling apart. Cause <laughs> I feel like maybe I think in my mind, the Jer- the people of Jericho were always like freaking out. Like, Oh, I feel like people of Israel had to be like, wait, we just walked around this and blew the horns and it, it worked. Like I, they had to be, have their minds blown too. The sound waves. Yeah. The trumpet <laughs> it vibrated just... at the natural frequency of the walls of Jericho and caused them to crumble. Oh no. Science. <laughs> That's not no, how it works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think that would be a really cool story to see. Um, my, f- my funnier one uh, would be Jonah and the whale hmm. or fish. Oh, that's what I said. Whichever way you take it. But you could have proved whether it was a whale or not. Okay, the Hebrew word literally just means large sea creature. So we don't know what it is. The Loch Ness Monster. Um, it could be Loch Ness Monster. But uh, so I want to know, like, when the fish vomits Jonah out, does it just, like, literally just out of the water or does he get just you know he just spits him out onto the shore like i think in veggie tales that's what happens to just get into. so i don't i don't know and i think that would be pretty that, that's my funny one like like I, I wonder how that happened yeah probably pretty gross either way I so. love the stipulation that she gave of it had to be outside of Jesus' life. Know. When, when the reality situation is, I probably would have chosen the Tower of Babel anyways. Wait, I'm really? Being, I mean, just straight up on You don't want to see the resurrected <laughs> Jesus? Yeah. Oh I mean, no, I do, I do. But I'll see Jesus someday. That's the thing. So, like, I'll get to see the resurrected Jesus someday. Hopefully. So you don't buy into the theory that in heaven, God just has this movie theater where you can just go in there and watch, like, all the things that are in the Bible or something like that? <laughs> It thought it exists. Cool. It might, yeah, dude. But I don't yeah, know. Awesome. I know I'll get to see Jesus, but I don't know I'll get to go see the Tower of Babel. All right, so. all right. Well, boom. Interesting. <laughs> think about that, guys. Oh, all right. So. <laughs> I think they are really getting our personality now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, do we, well, first of all, thank you, Andrew, again, for your questions. Do you want to keep doing uh, more and then finish at, let's see, Favorite book of the Bible? Sure. All right. Let's do that. So we have another friend and listener, Mary Catherine Malloy, sent us in two questions. Um, thank you again. Thanks, and huge shout out to the Malloys. They left today. We're going to miss you guys, and we love you very much. Please be safe. Enjoy your new job in life. But don't forget about us. So anyway, Mary Catherine sent us two questions. Uh, she asks... Firstly, favorite woman in the Bible. Great question. Really like this one. Uh, my two that I had, I'm very, I couldn't choose between them was Abigail and Hannah. So Abigail is, you know, she is the former wife of Nabal and then wife of David, like second wife of David. Uh, but the, her story is literally David acting like a complete idiot and then Nabal acting like his name means fool, like a complete idiot. And here she is putting her life on the line for these two idiots so that they have peace (laughs) and just showing her courage and her wisdom and her temperament into that. I think that, you know, as, as 
blessed as I feel as a male made in the image of God, I do see that <clears throat> tendency in males to just kind of like turn off my brain and just do something dumb. And to see that type of patience and temperament, that's, it's a story that I've really come to appreciate a lot. Um, and yeah, she's just an empathetic person. I've also really come to appreciate Hannah a lot. Uh, I got, I'm studying through first Samuel right now and just reading her prayer again and her devotion to prayer has really convicted me because in a lot of ways, even after doing a podcast on prayer, sometimes it feels like I got to rush it in at the end of the day. I got to get my little 10 minutes in before I go to the bed <laughs> because I need to go to bed after I've already stayed up for forever watching YouTube and stuff like that. And it's just having that type of devotion and pouring <clears throat> yourself out and, you know, it, it yeah. Han is just a great character for, for sure. That, so, yeah, I would say, um, like, just like a because of a really cool story is Jail. She's pretty awesome. <laughs> judges, um, classic, you know. And she was during the time of Deborah, which is also a cool woman yeah, in the yeah, Bible. For sure. um, that's just kind of like a fun one, just because you know it'd be cool just to witness that, and just how much courage it took for her to kill the King Sisera. That's really cool. Um, uh, but then, like, also, like, the, the one that I'd probably, like, if I tried to choose one, would probably be Anna, the prophetess in Luke mm-hmm. 2. We know basically nothing about her other than she was a prophetess in the New Testament, had extremely strong faith. She was a widow for a very long time. She was 84 years old and prayed and fasted and wanted to meet Jesus. Um, and so, I don't know, it'd be really cool to sit down and have a conversation with her about mm-hmm. what it's like to be a female prophet because it's not really the first thing that we typically think of when we think of a prophet yeah. especially like in New Testament time so like it's not even you know being a prophet in the Old Testament is one thing but like being one in the New Testament before Jesus is about to come you know I don't know I feel like it'd be a cool conversation I to see so. I'm curious what other people's opinions of her <laughs> were being a woman in the temple yeah prophesying so that's a good one and most people don't think about her she kind of gets overlooked a lot that's true. Luke 2 that's yeah, a, just a few verses about her. That's a deep track right there. So, <laughs> All right. And her final question, her second question was, favorite book <clears throat> of the Bible? All right, Charlie, go ahead. Take yeah, it so if an Old Testament would probably be Job. For mm-hmm. a long time, it was Ecclesiastes, but it kind of became Job. And not just the first two chapters of Job. Ooh. The whole thing. The, really, Actually, my favorite part is the conversation that God has. Well, Job has with his friends, and then God has with Job at the mm-hmm. end. I think they're fantastic and I think it's whether or not it's true, real, or just a story. Either way, it's a very, very good story that mm-hmm. we have, and it's relatable. I think in a lot of ways, when we go through different doubts and different problems in life, we have as we go through challenges, and you know, it's one that I relate to a lot. You know, when I've gone through struggles, a lot of the questions that I've asked and where I've reasoned myself to is a lot of where Job ended up. Mm-hmm. So, someone who was very strong and had great faith somehow reasoned himself to I'm <clears throat> not a good person. And, so, I don't know. Great story. Uh, great book. Um, and then New Testament would probably be Revelation. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for because a lot of people are afraid of it. So, I think it's another fantastic book. Um, it's one that you can read a hundred times and it's new every time you read it. Uh, a lot of the <clears throat> uh, language that's used and a lot of the imagery that's used is really cool and connects to some Old Testament books as well, which I think is really neat. And then hearing all the different theories of what people believe <laughs> Revelation means is also fun. So that's a good one. Uh, for me, it changes a lot, of course. But my favorite currently Old Testament is Malachi. Uh, I love the Minor Prophets a lot. Mm-hmm. And that one, I think, is really applicable to yeah. our age where there's a lot of hypocrisy. There's a lot of idolatry. There's a lot of... Um, 
just self-centeredness and Malachi shows to destroy that. And the only way that you do it is through the coming Lord and Jesus. So I love Malachi a lot. I also love the New Testament, James, which has been pretty consistently my favorite. It was my, it's the first and only book that I've ever handwritten. Uh, like didn't, I didn't oh, write it myself, cool. but like I wrote it out and it, it's, it's really stuck with me and similar to your application yeah. from Job, uh, James talks a lot about persecution and trials yeah. and going through that. And it really helped me when my grandmother passed the first James one, two through four are my favorite verses in the Bible. And it's just this reminding that when testing comes, it's not just so that God's like, ugh. It's literally to produce something new in you, to produce this faith and trust in you. So uh, I've really come to appreciate that book oh, yeah. a lot, too. James is fantastic. It's such a dense book. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's so short, and there's just so much he fits into that. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And he just pops you in the mouth. Yeah. Like, he doesn't hold back. That's so. fair. It's a good one. And it's also cool, like, I don't know. The whole aspect of him being Jesus' brother. And you oh, see yeah. That this guy come a complete circle from when you see him last. <laughs> when he's ridiculing Jesus and being like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, yeah. sh- just shut up and come home. Like, And then all of a sudden, he obviously has a great understanding of Jesus and who he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it, there's so much in such a little bit. So it's one that you like. If you ever just want to read a book, you don't know where to do. I feel like James because it's a, yeah. 15 it, minutes. Yeah. Probably. Literally just read through it. And so much, so much helpful information. Mm-hmm. So really good one. Thank you again, Mary Catherine, for your questions. So we have a couple more that are left, but this will be it for this section. We'll be right back. friend and faithful listener to the podcast, Andrew Sullivan. Thank you so much for your question. It's a really good one too. He asks us, what has been the biggest doubt that you've had and what helped reassure you? Hmm. Yeah. So uh, I answer this in two ways. So one, just like general life, biggest doubt I've had in life. And the other one is like spiritual doubt. So in life, the biggest doubt that I've probably ever had is just like just general failure. I don't know, like the idea of just failing at something, whether that's like in school, like failing a class or like not getting a job or, you know, I don't know. Just anytime I try to set myself to doing something like not achieving that and, you know, failing was probably my biggest like fear in life in general. So trying to overcome that, still working on it. I'll let you know when I figure it out. (laughs) Um, But no, I, I just try to remind myself that like it's okay to make, you know, a mistake you don't have to you know be the best at every single thing <laughs> so sometimes you're gonna mess up sometimes you're gonna fall short and you know that's okay but uh, um, the most important thing is if you get back up and you keep going mm. um, that sounded so cliche hey. um, <laughs> it works but yeah so uh, <clears throat> spiritual doubt um, the the biggest doubt the biggest doubt overall I've had a lot but probably the one that has been with me like my entire life um, that's still with me heavily today is just the general question of, am I good enough? Um, so like, I feel like something that never gets mentioned in the church is grace, or at least it doesn't get mentioned. It gets mentioned, but not very often. And if it does, it just, just like God's grace. And then we skip over it and move on. 
like we know God has grace, but like we don't ever really just like to dive deep into it because mm. I feel like people are just afraid of grace because they don't want to like take it too far or something or like how far is too far. And because of this, I feel like, you know, we have this cu- culture of, of being like merciless and, you know, where a single mistake, one little thing that you do will send you straight to hell. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's literally no room for grace at all because we don't ever like talk about it or think about it or we're afraid of it because mm-hmm. like we're afraid of what grace would mean of like, you know, oh, you mean that person can go to heaven too? Like, I think we're afraid of that idea sometimes if we don't want to admit it, but like having no grace and like having leads to basically like having no mercy where you're kind of like heartless. And so kind of being raised in that culture of never really being taught grace and, you know, hearing the way people would react to where when someone would come out with struggling with some kind of sin or whatever, when the judgment starts and, you know, different things that happen, you really scared me and like kind of messed me up. I feel like mentally Hmm. where it's just like, now I don't feel like, I'm never good enough. You know, I, I'm generally afraid. Like, you know, if I were to die right now, have I really, am I really good enough? Um, so, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I've talked to other people that struggle with a similar thing. And so something that I've done to work on this and try to help is, you know, in recent years, you know, I'd say my wife has helped me a lot with this. Um, but also just studying about grace and really meditating about the idea of grace and accepting that, you know, just because I do mess up once, or those people that I saw mess up when I was a kid, right? That's okay. You know, reading about and studying about people and characters in the Bible that, you know, messed up or sinned in their life and were very imperfect people. Mm-hmm. And even in their imperfection, God is able to make them perfect. Um, and so, yeah, a really good book that I read that really illustrated it well was The Great Divorce. C.S. Lewis, the beginning of the book, I think kind of illustrates this idea of like, you know... I don't really want to get too into it. Read the book. It's fantastic. <laughs> but basically, you know, you're never too far away to come back. Um, the, the the invitation to go to heaven is offered to everybody, but you have to go to the bus stop and, and get on the bus and actually go and stay. And so, you know, anybody is open to that. No matter how messed up you are, no matter how far away you get, you can still go back. And so, yeah, that's, that's stuff that I've thought about. Again, still working on it. I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, and I, I feel that a lot when, when I started studying more and more and seeing that the imperfect, like crazy imperfection of some of the people we've hold, held up in old te- in the old Testament yeah. and stuff like that. These are heroes of faith, all this type of stuff. Moses or Abraham was willing to just let his wife go. Yeah. Just, and it's like, these aren't good people, but. Through faith, you know, God has mercy on them. And that same grace is extended to us. So I do think that's a concept that we have really, I think we, we're too worried about other what other people think and yeah. other type of stuff instead of just yeah. what scripture says. And uh, so, yeah, well, that's something we should probably do a podcast about, talking about grace. grace. Yeah, that's a good one. So <clears throat> I appreciate those two from Charlie. Uh, my doubts i'm gonna go follow in charlie's suit and say so my biggest life doubt uh probably falls in one of my biggest fears and that is being uh lonely so not just like oh i didn't find a wife but also no one actually really likes me they just keep me around either as their token black guy or as uh you know whatever else 
So I, I have that constant worry of, are my friends actually my friends? If I stop giving or I stop acting, will they still like me and hang, hang around? Uh, so I've been still, I've been working on that. And this reminder that even when I am alone, I have Jesus has been very comforting in that. Um, and having people who really do care and you can tell because, you know, I've been pretty forgetful, uh, and oftentimes a pretty bad friend recently, just cause I've had a lot going on in my mind, but seeing people offering up of themselves and helping me out and showing they care has really been helpful in this time. So, uh, that's, that's mine, uh, <laughs> my life one. And then my spiritual one would probably be the authority and how we got the scripture. Uh, I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast because it used to be my biggest like, what if everything that was written to us was really written by just some dudes who made this entire crazy conspiracy and somehow wrote this incredible book over this many years and just put it together? Or what if the Catholic Pope just put smudged it together or all this type of stuff? And... Um, and that became a real genuine worry and concern of mine, uh, especially I took a class in college at a Christian college that really pushed me to be like, where did we get this book from? Like, how did we receive this? How do we know that it's got you know any evidence or proof or all that type of stuff? And what it took was just study. And the more I studied about how we have received the scripture, the more I studied about, let's compare what we know about Jesus and the manuscripts about Jesus or the manuscripts we have for the Bible compared to these other ancient texts. And comparatively, there is no comparison. We have so much evidence. And then we keep finding new Dead Sea Scrolls like every 50 years. And it's like, it's a treasure trove. It's incredible. Um, so I'm very convinced by the inspiration of the scriptures now, and that is probably one of my more passionate topics about how I can, or I can kind of tell you a little bit, I can give a little crash course on how we got scripture, why I believe it's inspired, all that type of stuff. So that has been a, that was a huge doubt for me. Now it's, I feel like one of my strongest suits. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, man. So if you have any questions about the, the Bible and how we got it, I'll, I'll probably go on our blog at some point, but yeah, I, I would. I would love to talk to you about it. So, all right. Thank you, Andrew, for that question. Thanks, Sully. That's a good one. All right. So, your wife asked us some questions. She did. Whoop, whoop. Anna. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the first one she asks us is, what is your favorite thing about each other? Um, <laughs> <laughs> she knows I spend a lot of time with Alexander, so, you know, she gets jealous. It's fine. Mm. Not really. Um, no, favorite thing about, I don't know, what, what's your favorite thing about me? Alexander? My favorite thing about Charlie isn't going to get sappy. I'm sorry, guys. My favorite thing about Charlie is probably like one of the more heartfelt people I have ever met in my life, where he's very giving and very caring. And in a lot of ways, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's very honest about that. And I've come to really appreciate that because I, I mean, we, we were trying to address this before, but my first, like our first real conversation, we talked about him losing his mom and me losing my grandmother. And I don't, I don't try to compare the magnitude of those two things, but they both made us into the men we are today. And just being able to talk to someone and be real with them about that has bonded me to Charlie probably for the rest of time. So I really appreciate him and his care and his compassion. And we're also, you know, very competitive. <laughs> we're very competitive when it comes to <laughs> how we uh, handle 
pretty much any situation, but I really have come to appreciate his, his push. Um, so he's a good servant and a good, uh, just a great guy. So oh, proud to have him as a friend. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, my favorite thing about you, if I just had to pick one, cause there's just so many. No, uh, well, there are, but she's not, uh, I, I, the thing that I probably love the most about you is just how much peace you give. And you may be like, what is he talking about? Like, like you were, you were probably one of the most, like, whenever I spend time with you or hang out with you, like I probably get more peace out of that than I do in like any other situation in my life. Like, I don't. Wow. Yeah. I'm a little tear. I'm tearing up a little bit. It's just like, yeah, I don't know whether that's from the conversations that we have. Uh, and the things that we talk about and, you know, things like talking about, you know, losses that we've had and, and growing stronger through that kind of stuff. But, you know, peace is something that I want really, really bad in life. And I feel like I get that so much from you because you're just so comforting and you just always have really good advice and really good answers. And so, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Man. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Moving Woo! on. Next question. All right. We're just going to go. Um, <clears throat> the next question Anna asks. Is uh, if you could go back in time and tell your 13 year old self one thing, what would it be? And I don't know why she chose the age 13, but I get uh, right in the middle of adolescence. Yeah, I'm still trying to move on. You're, you're working through your hormones. Um, and stuff. Yeah, 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 it's a confusing time. Yeah. Um, just got my braces off. You know, mm. started liking girls. It was a conf- yeah. yeah. All right, 13 um, year old self. So there's a lot of things that I would want to say. Um, don't do engineering try not to I'm saying oh <laughs> no it's uh, oh man I don't know do you, do you have one like off the top of your head like what you'd say so I, I like you there's plenty of things that I'm like man I wish I would tell myself this but at 13 like what do I uh, I think I need to hear probably is your parents really do love and care about mm-hmm. you and you kind of need to stop reading into that because I think my fear was I saw my parent, my, my dad was the one who usually spanked me and mom was on my tail because my grades weren't always the best and I was being lazy and I wasn't doing my chores and all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my parents weren't perfect or anything like that, but coming out on the other side of it and seeing the obvious love and care that they've, they put into it and, hearing a little bit about what they grew up in and you know ways they wanted to improve they put their lives on the limb for me and my siblings yeah. so and they gave all their money and still continue to do that for us so just really having that appreciation of appreciation of my parents at that age i think that would have helped a lot of things in high school yeah. where i just kind of went on this re- rebellious phase instead of understanding how much they loved and cared so That's good. i think i would have said that yeah, I guess like trying to get into the mind of like things that were really important to me when I was 13 and going like from middle school and in middle school and high school, you know, if I could go back to myself, one thing is that you, you do not have to be the most well-liked person in like your, your mm-hmm. class or like in your friend group, like so much high school drama, middle school drama was going on. Like, you know, I just wanted to be liked and popular and just be in like the, the cool crowd, you know? I uh, sound like 40 years old. Um, <laughs> but like, if I could just go back and reassure myself, like you don't have to, don't give up who you are just that you can be liked or more, or you think mm-hmm. you're going to be more well liked to try to fit into a specific group. 
in school, you know, because it's the second you graduate from high school, all that stuff is, it's gone. Yeah. Like a lot of those friends, people that you hung out with, right. Or, you know, all that drama, it just suddenly it just like leaves and it's gone. It doesn't matter. So hmm. all that stuff you care about in high school doesn't matter. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> that was good. All one right. more. One more. Uh, so this is your brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. Yeah, brother-in-law, Trey. Shout out to Trey. Thank you for your question. T-Rex. All right. He asks us, what is the meaning of life? And uh, <laughs> we both of us saw it fitting yeah. that we use Ecclesiastes 12. You want to read that? We have it out there. Yeah, yeah. So Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Uh now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the whole purpose of life, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. I also put in here just my personal quote of keep your eyes on Jesus and help others to do the same. So yeah. my my life goal is like I found purpose and hope in Jesus. I want other people to have find purpose and hope in Jesus, whether that be they are already Christians or they aren't Christians yet. So uh, yeah. that's 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 the meaning. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. The only other one that I would look at is again one that we have really kind of embodied in this podcast and the conclusion that we've come to in the podcast, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that is in Matthew twenty two, uh, thirty three through forty, and that says, "But when the Pharisees heard." But he has silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great uh, and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the, all the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you want to try to find a purpose in life, something to try to do, you know, to find the meaning, I think that's it right there. It's just... Love the Lord and love your neighbor with everything that you have. And I think if you do those two things, then everything else will, will fall in suit. And you're going you're gonna to do everything else that you're going to find in Scripture. And in those two commands fall every other command and every other thing that we're ever asked to do could be fit into one of those two categories. So, for sure. The Pilgrim Song, the podcast about love. There we go. <laughs> Our secondary song. <laughs> the deep cut. Yeah. Motto. So... This was super fun. Like, honestly, I, I'm really thankful for your questions. Thank yeah. you, Trey, again. Good ones. <laughs> uh, so, super fun. Of course, good to have my bud Charlie on here. And we were able to... Uh, you definitely saw our personality a lot more in this one because we're a mess. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And you'll see even more of our personality this upcoming Wednesday when we drop a blooper reel um, of some of our hot takes and other just (laughs) weird shenanigans that sometimes happens back here. There's some really good stuff there. So, um, are you nervous about the uh, the blooper reel? Uh, I'm more excited to see. I forgot about some of the stuff we said and done. I don't know how you're going to edit that. Have fun. It'll be hilarious. But so, yeah, (laughs) just know this is not, we don't fake any of this. (laughs) We do not. We have like scripts in front of us, but a lot of what we do is very off the cuff. Very. (laughs) Yeah, you'll get to see that. So, 
So, yeah. Um, but again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for entering your questions. This was really good and really fun. Uh, again, the website will be up, Lord willing. The blog will be up next week. Uh, Blooper Reel Wednesday. And yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Maybe some merch coming out soon. Maybe we'll some merch, know. hopefully. We're, we're trying, yeah. working our best. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. All right. You have anything else to say, Charlie, before you head out? I don't. Again, no. appreciate all the questions, guys. That was really great. And we'll have to do this again. Yes. Maybe definitely. episode 50. Episode 15. Might We're be our Christmas episode. Hey! There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. So, thank you. Have a blessed week, and we will see you next week.